This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. We're going to go ahead and continue uh, our series on, on Clearly. You know, we can look at our, at our country and we can look at the people around us and we can look uh, at this world. And, you know, sometimes we, we ask this question, man, why are people so messed up? Why is our country so bad? Man, why is, why, is, why, why is our culture so bad and so evil? And why are so many things going on that, that are so you know, devastating and desperate and perverted? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4, that the reason why people are so messed up is this. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded their eyes. Has blinded their eyes. Their eyes are blinded to certain things. And so they live their lives for their own pleasure. They live their life for their own self-gratification. They don't see the good life that God has planned for them. We sometimes don't live the good life that God has planned for us. Because just like the world is blinded, there are areas of our life that have been blinded. That the God of this world has blinded our eyes so we don't see the purpose and the plan and the promise that God has for us. But I love this because it doesn't have to stay that way. And God never intended it for for us to stay that way, to stay blinded and not to see things clearly or to see things like he has wanted us to see them. In Acts chapter 26, God shows up to, to Paul. He was Saul. He was a persecutor of the church originally and he he was uh, he was against the he was against Jesus and, and the revelation of Jesus Christ and he and he fought against the church and would persecute the church and was so anti Jesus until he was traveling on this road and he had this encounter with God. God showed up to him and totally changed the way he saw things. He changed from being a persecutor of the church to establishing and pouring into and building and strengthening the church. And this is one of the things that God told Paul that would happen in his life and what one of his purposes was to accomplish. In Acts chapter 26, verse number 18, Jesus told Paul, you're to open their eyes, open the eyes of the people. You're to turn them from the darkness to the light. From the power of Satan to God. So that through their faith in me, they'll have their sins forgiven and receive their place among God's chosen people. And Paul did that. If you read through the life of Paul, you'll see that when he went and he declared Jesus, there was an illumination that came. There was a light that came. People stepped out of the realm of darkness and evil into the realm of light. That's what happened to you as a believer in Christ Jesus. You lived your life in darkness, gratifying your own flesh, living your own way, just doing what came flesh naturally until you heard the good news of Jesus Christ, that he had better for you, that he had life for you, that you didn't have to live in that dysfunctional, broken place. And a light turned on. No longer were you living in that, that, that despair and that frustration and in that blindness, but a revelation, a light came and you stepped into life. And that's what Paul did. He preached Jesus Christ. Laws don't change people. Blame doesn't change people. Judgment doesn't change people. Shame doesn't change people. 
forcing people or trying to force people into seeing things your way doesn't change people. It's only light or it's only, it's only the blinders falling off their eyes, a revelation of light that can change people. It's only the light of Jesus Christ, the life in Jesus Christ that changes people. Now I'm going to say something and you're going to go, duh. Okay. I'm going to give you a, a duh statement. When it's dark, you cannot see. Yeah, duh. Yeah. Okay. When it's dark, you cannot see when it's dark, you cannot see. And when you cannot see that can be dangerous, right? Have you ever walked in? You have kids. Anybody have kids all over campuses? Okay. Anybody ever saw a kid? Okay. <laughs> kids, you know, they have all these toys and, 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 and they, they like these little tiny things called Legos and they like these little things called Barbies. And, and when it's dark and you're walking through a dark house, Legos and Barbie shoes are dangerous, right? You walk through, man, and it just is a little one set in a random place. You step on that thing and everything that's in every word, you know, that's stuffed in your heart comes out of your mouth, right? That's what you, that's when you know what's in your heart. If you say bad words, bad words, naughty words. I know I can see you just look straight ahead. We won't know it's you come out of your mouth, right? You're like, right? Cause you step on those little Legos and you step on those, those little Barbie shoes because you don't see them because it's dark. So you step on things, painful things. We don't even have kids live in our house and it still happens. Randy leaves his toys all over. No, just kidding. The dogs, we have two dogs and they're uh, Staffordshire bull terriers. Okay. So they have really strong jaws. You can't just give them like a little toy. They shred it. You know, you look at the new toy I got you and two seconds later it's shredded, right? So you have to buy in these, those really strong nylon bones that are super, super hard. But if you have a powerful chewing dog, they can almost shred those things to where they're like weapons. They're pointy and they're sharp. And now my dogs leave stuff in the dark and you step on them and, ah, oh, so painful because when it's dark, you can step on painful things because you don't see it. When it's dark, you can't see and your steps can be dangerous. Another thing that happens I find is when, it, when it's dark, you're kind of unsure and you're more cautious on the weekends. When Randy has to speak, he usually uh, goes to be bed early. Now me, I'm of this persuasion that old people go to bed early, right? And I haven't become old yet. So I'm fighting against that, right? It doesn't matter how tired I am. I will not go to nine o'clock is my limit. Like if I go to bed eight 59, I'm old nine o'clock. I'm okay. Right. But he goes to bed like way old, like he's way old. So he goes to bed way early when he has to speak. Cause he gets up super early, um, to, to study cause he's the best in the morning. So if I'm staying up later than him, you know, on a Friday night or a Saturday night, he'll say, Hey honey, don't wake me up when you come to bed. I'm like, Ugh. Okay. Right. So it's dark. He's in bed. I'm trying to sneak into the room and not wake him up. So I'm not one to turn on any lights. I know what my bedroom looks like. I know how it's arranged. Right. So, but still it's dark. So I walk in the room very cautiously. I open the door and I'm like feeling along the wall. You kind of walk and you're like stretch, you know, you're stretching and you're man, the light switch should be here. or The door should be here. And it's like, not where you think it is. And so you're really cautious. You're slow. You're afraid to take a step because you know that, you know, you'll stub your toe on something or whatever. So you're, when it's dark, you're super cautious. You super slow. Sometimes you don't even step at all. When it's dark, 
You also let dangerous things closer to you than you should when it's dark. Don't judge me, but there's a show on TV. I don't know if it's on Nat Geo or Discovery Channel, but it's called Naked and Afraid. Yeah, you watch it too, all right? <laughs> it's, it's a show where they put two people in the wilderness. Sometimes it's like in the freezing cold. Sometimes it's like in the, in the rainforest. And they, they just stick them out there with nothing. No clothing, no water. No, they have to find, they have to provide life for themselves. So all they have is a, like a diary cam and a, you know, they, I know they have a, a bunch of people videoing, but they have this diary cam. So there's no light at night if they don't have a fire. But sometimes they'll show what happens in the night. And because it's dark and they don't see it, you'll see these huge, like, Amazon spiders, like, crawling out and crawling around their head. Like, you can see, it. because it's dark, dangerous things are coming closer than they should. Or you'll see these snakes climbing up the, the you know, their, their structure that they built to sleep in or hanging down from the trees right above them or these eyes of this, you know, black panther that's hanging out in the, in the bushes next to them because when it's dark and you can't see, you let dangerous things closer than you should when it's dark. Another thing that happens when it's dark is you see things that really aren't there, right? How many of you have been in a house by yourself or outside by yourself? And, you know, it's super dark. You can't see anything, but you swear you do see something like, did you, what is that? It's like, what? I didn't see anything. Yeah. I just ran by or it just, I, I see it. It's right over there. You know, whatever. I know, um, sometimes when Randy's like really super tired, he'll, he'll like talk in his sleep or do something like that. Well, one time, uh, not super long ago, we were sound asleep in bed. And then I, I sensed that he, he got up and he, he like set up and he's like looking at the wall. It's dark. It's still dark. Lights aren't on. It's still dark. And he's like looking at the wall. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, when did you paint the wall blue? I said, what? When did you paint the wall blue? I'm like hitting him like, I didn't know. What are you talking about? I didn't paint the wall blue. Why? Because when it's dark, you see things that aren't really there. He did that one time, got up in a panic, flipped on the light. I said, what are you doing? He said, I just saw a big spider crawl across the wall. I said, it's dark in here. You can't see a big spider crawl across the wall. Because when it's dark, you think you see things that you really don't see. That aren't really there when it's dark. Because living in the dark can be dangerous. A lot of times we walk through our lives living in the dark. And we allow things closer to our marriage than we should because the light's not on. We allow things closer to our money because the light's not on. We step on things. We step on painful things. We experience things in our life because we don't have the light on. In Psalms 119, verse number 105, it says, Your word, God's word, your word, O God, is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. The word of God is a lamp. It illuminates. It brings light to something. It keeps us from dangerous, painful things. It's the word of God, the lamp of God, the light of God that helps us to see clearly. And our success in this life comes from us seeing life clearly. You know, I drive a Jeep. For some reason on a Jeep, the front windshield doesn't slant like a normal car. So those of you who own Jeeps, you know this. My, the, my windshield is like a bug magnet. 
It doesn't, a bug doesn't like hit and slide off. It hits and splats. Like there's just no hope for the bug that hits my windshield. Well, I'm usually one who just lets the bugs accumulate, right? Because I've just washed my car and by the time I get home, it's already covered in bugs. So it's like, man, this is going to be a never ending battle. I just let them accumulate for a while. It's not until I clean my windshield that I realize how bad it's been. It's not until my windshield's clean that I realize how much I've been distracted by the stuff on my windshield. I think sometimes that happens in our life. We think, oh, we're okay, we're okay, until the light's turned on. Or the water of the word of God washes and reveals. It's like, oh, wow, I was messed up more than I thought I was messed up. Wow, I see much more clearly now that the word of God is in front of my face. I see much more clearly now that the word of God has turned the light on in my life. So we've been talking how to see things clearly, to see our situations clearly, that we got to see God clearly in order to see our life clearly. Talked about how um, shame clouds our vision. Talked about how uh, unforgiveness clouds our vision and how when we forgive and not be offended, how our vision clears and the light comes on. Today we're going to be talking about something else that turns the light on in our life and gives us a clearer revelation, cleans the windshield in our life. And it's this thing called love. Now, I know some of you are like, oh, love. Pumpkin pooter, love. <laughs> I'm not talking about the love that we think about. Because we think love is, what we think love is, is way different than what God says love is. In 1 John chapter 2, verse number 9, the Bible says if we say that we're in the light, that we have the light switch on, If we say that we have the light switch on, our windshield's clean, yet we hate others, we're in the darkness to this very hour. It says, if we love others, we live in the light, and there's nothing in us that will cause someone to sin. If we say that we're in the light, yet hate others, we're in the darkness. Now, I know I look across this room, you're like, oh, this message isn't for me because I am not a hater. I am not a hater. I am a lover. I am not a hater. Listen to what hate means. Now, I'm not talking about what you think hate means because none of us would, would say that we're a hater. None of us would profess or say, yeah, I'm a hater. Confess that we're a hater. But this is what the Bible says that a hater is. Hate is a strong dislike toward a person or thing, to dislike greatly, or the biblical definition of hate is to love Less to love less. Now, if I'm going to look at the biblical definition of the word hate, this is what the scripture saying. If we say that we're in the light, yet we love less others, then we're still in the darkness. Now, I wouldn't profess and confess to be a hater, but in this definition of what the Bible word hate to love less, I would have to say there are... I would confess that there are plenty of times that I love less people. Maybe not all people, but certain people. People that bug me, maybe. People that irritate me, maybe. People that shun me, maybe. People that have done me dirty. People that look, look, look at me like I, you know, they're better than me. People who think they got it together, braggy people. People that think they're all that. People who say one thing and do another. 
I got to confess. I may not be walking in as much light as I think I'm walking in. Because according to this verse, if I love less people, I'm living in the dark. And there's danger to living in the dark. You let dangerous things too close to you. You experience too many painful things that you shouldn't experience. You're at a standstill. You can't progress forward. So what is love? We think love is a feeling, right? I know we think love is a feeling for the most part because there's plenty of people these days who get married and then divorce because they don't, I don't love them anymore. What are they saying? I don't feel that same attraction to them that I once felt for them. I don't feel that same affection for them, that same devotion for them that I used to feel. I don't love them anymore. We're just not in love anymore. I fell in love with them, but now I fell out. I just don't love them anymore because our thought about what love is or our belief about what love is, is love is a feeling thing. God's love is not like our love. We confuse God's love with the world's love. The world's love is selfish. It's taking, it's self-centered, it's self-gratifying. It's doing what we want, what makes us better. It's conditional. God's love is not like that. This is what the Bible says about God's love. First of all, God's love is who he is. First John 4, 8, it says God is love. Then it goes on to say in 1 John 4, 9, that God showed his love for us by sending his only son into the world so that we can have life through him. So God is love and then he shows his love by sending his son Jesus into the world. In John 3, 16, it says God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not die but have everlasting or eternal life. It's not even just that God gave. It's who God gave. God just didn't say, I love them, so I'm going to give them sunshine every morning. Man, I love these people that I created, so I'm going to cause it to rain in the middle of summer. I love these people, so I'm going to cause the, the, the moon and the stars to be absolutely beautiful. No, God so loved, he gave his most prized possession, his most prized being, his son for us. And this is the pretty crazy thing. As Romans 5, 8 says, God showed us how much he loved us. Because while we were still sinners, when you were still doing that funky, ugly, perverted, gross, disgusting thing, when you were out there doing your own thing, some of us outright rejecting and denying and detesting anything God or related to God. Don't talk to me about Jesus. Don't you be talking to me about God. I ain't God. I don't know about God. God, I'm blaming God for stuff. Even when you were there, God so loved that that's when he gave. It's an unconditional, undeserved on our part, love that God has for us. Then he goes on. He says, God loves us. Through this, we see that God loves us not because we loved him, because he loved us before we even knew him. He loves us not because he agrees with our actions. God doesn't love us because we've reached a certain standard of perfection and kind of done everything right. 
That's the world's kind of love. That's not God's love. God doesn't love us because, you know, we've accomplished something great and, you know, we're trying to do things right. God's not just tolerating us. God isn't disgusted with us. God doesn't just feel sorry for us. God's love is pure. Love is a, his love is beyond what we could even think or imagine. God's love is who he is. And because of who he is, he gives. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice with a corresponding action. God chose to love us. And then because of his choice to love us, he gave us life so we can have relationship with him. You don't have to feel love in order to love. Love is a choice with a corresponding action. First John 4, 7 then goes on and says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Because love comes from God. Whoever loves is a child of God and knows God. Another translation says experiences a relationship with God. Then it says whoever does not love does not know God. For God is love. So God says, hey, let us love one another because love comes from God. And whoever loves is a child of God and knows God. So my ability to love like God wants me to love only comes from knowing him. Only comes from me having love live in me. To know God is to have an intimate relationship with him. So when God tells me to love people or to lo- us to love one another, I can only do that if I have a relationship with love myself and have God on the inside of me. That, you know, we, the, the world that we live in, they are just saying, be nice to each other, tolerate each other, accept each other, and they think that's love. But they can't truly love unless they have a relationship with love, God. Oh, they might think that they do, but it's still conditional. It's still if you believe like I do. It's still if you're doing things like I want you to do them. It's still if, if we're all marching on the same team. God's love. The only way that we can truly love like God is to have a relationship with love himself. In fact, in Romans 5, 5, it says, Our hearts are full of the love of God through the Holy Spirit that lives in us. As believers in Christ Jesus, when we receive Christ into our life, God's spirit of love moves on the inside of us. So for us to think, well, I can't do, I can't love. Yes, you can love because love lives in you. You can love because love lives in you. Because of my relationship with God, I can now love like him. I can now let the love of God turn the light on in my life. I don't have to walk in darkness. I don't have to be, experience things and painful things like I used to experience because it was so dark in my life. I can let the love of God in me come out of me and turn the light on in my life. When I love like him, I'm bringing light into my life. Jesus says it like this. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. Then says, the second is equally important to love your neighbor as yourself. But in order for us to love our neighbor as ourself, we have to first love God with all of our heart, our soul, 
and our mind. I've got to love God with all of me. But how do I love God with all of me? Sometimes we think, I know how to love God with all me. I'm going to come to church. I know how I'm going to love God with all of me. I'm going to praise Jesus when it's worship time. I know how I'm going to love God with all of me. Man, I'm going to show up every time the door opens. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. But look what God's, what, look what the word of God says. How do you love God with all of you? First John 2 25. I mean, 2 2 5. It says, Those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love Him. What? No, I show God I love Him because I wear the shirt. I love Jesus. I heart Jesus. I have the bracelet. I heart Jesus. WWJD. I've got the bumper sticker. I worship God. The Bible says we show God we completely love him when we fully surrender to his purpose and plan in our life. What does that mean? I just do what he says to do. God doesn't love me because I do what he says. I show God I love him because I do what he says. Again, God doesn't love me because I do what he says. God loves me no matter what, whether I do what he says or not. I just show God I love him by doing what he says. I show God I love him by doing what he says. It's being fully surrendered to him. And when I love God with all my heart, I'm fully surrendered, my will for his will, my plan for his plan, then I can love people. Then the light comes on. Illumination happens. I no longer am letting dangerous things too close. I see clearly the world around me. Matthew twenty two thirty nine. it says the second most important commandment is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So then the question becomes, okay, who's my neighbor? Right? Because if we're talking literal neighbors, I like mine. We're good. Some of you are probably thinking, well, my neighbors suck. You know, I don't really like them. They're constantly partying all night, so loud. I don't like my neighbor. Who's my neighbor? God says to love my neighbor as I love myself. So who's my neighbor? Well, that's a really good question. And it was a question that was actually asked to Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus was sitting, talking to a whole group of people. And a religious man who knew all there was about the word of God in those days, the law, the rules, the guidelines... Showed up to Jesus. Jesus was talking about, you know, just life. And the expert in the law showed up and said, Hey, Jesus, how is it then that I, how do I receive eternal life? And Jesus asked him and says, How do you think? Like, how do you think you do? The religious man said, um, From what I see, love God with all my heart, my soul, and my strength, and, and love people. Love my neighbor as myself. Love God. Love people. Jesus says, yeah, you're right. That's right. So then this man says, well, who's my neighbor? Because he was trying to find a loophole to get out of it. Like, who's my neighbor? I don't want to have to love everybody, so who's my neighbor? So Jesus starts telling the story, and he says there was this man. He was going from one town to another. And on his journey, he went through this really dangerous place, and these robbers came and attacked him. They took all of his money, and they didn't just take his money. They beat him, they tortured him, they stripped him, they wounded him, and they left him for dead in the middle of the road. Jesus says a priest, a man of God, walked by, saw the man laying broken in a death situation in the middle of the road, 
looked at him, kept going, didn't do anything about it. So then there was another man on staff at the church, not the head guy, but just one that worked in church work. Walked up, saw the man, and walked to the other side of the road and passed him, just kept going, left the, the, the almost dead man in the middle of the road. He said, and then there was a Samaritan man, a man uh, in, in, in life who uh, the Samaritans were rejected, they were looked down upon, uh, they were hated. He said, the Samaritan man, Notice the broken, beat up, dead, almost dead guy in the middle of the road. He said he walked up to him, looked at his wounds. Man, immediately took out his oil and his wine and started cleaning him up and bandaging him. Picked him up, put him on the back of his, his, uh, his donkey and took him to, to the hotel and man told the innkeeper, Hey, here's, here's money. If you need any more, I'll be passing through time, through town. Whatever he needs, take care of it. If you need more money, I'll give you money when I get back. So then Jesus says, asked the expert in the law, he says, who do you think was neighbor to the man that was almost dead in the middle of the road? The man said, well, I guess the one that had mercy on him and did something about it. Jesus said, you're right. Now go do the same thing. So who does Jesus say is our neighbor? When he says, love your neighbor, what he's saying is, love whoever it is in your road at that moment. Love whatever needy, broken, despairing person in your road at the moment. So this morning, who is your neighbor? Person sitting on the left and the right of you. When you go out in the lobby, who's your neighbor? The person who you're standing with, who you walk by. Who's your neighbor when you get out in the parking lot? Those persons, people who are directing you out or directing you in. At Starbucks, the barista is your neighbor. The person sitting reading every day that you walk by every single day sitting in the same spot is your neighbor. Your neighbor's the person that you pull up to the stop sign and they're saying, we'll work for food when you know they won't. Your neighbor. Asking for money because they need to pay their light bill or, or get new gas when you know they're not really going to do that. Who is that? Your neighbor. Who does God say we're supposed to love? Our neighbor, your neighbor's your mother-in-law, your neighbor's your ex-husband, your neighbor's your ex-wife, your neighbor's your son's football coach that you despise, who treated your kid bad. Your neighbor is that person who you think doesn't deserve your love. That is your neighbor. That's okay, it's cutting me too. John 13, 34, Jesus says, as I have loved you, Think about how Jesus loved you. He gave his life for you. Not because you were good, not because you agreed with him, not because he agreed with your lifestyle, not because he agreed with your decisions, not because he... Somehow we think if I show love to someone, I'm agreeing with their way of life. When I love someone according to God's plan, it has nothing to do with how they're living. It has to do with who they are. They're my neighbor, and God told me to love them. Has nothing to do if they're living the same kind of life I'm living. It has nothing to do if they're believing the same thing I'm believing. God says for me to love my neighbor, and when I do, light comes on in me, and I can tell you, light also comes on in them. It says, as I have loved you, you must love one another. It says, if you love, have love for one another, everybody will know that you're my disciples. You know, so much of the time it's so sad because even we as the church who are supposed to be the ex- examples of love are so still earth-led love. 
We're still so judgmental and condescending that the world looks at us and sees nothing different than what they're seeing. They know that the church should be different. We know that the church should be different. But the only way the church at large can be different is if we are different. It only comes by me loving people. It says here that they're going to know that you're my disciples by the love that you show, not the shirt that you wear, not what you proclaim to be, not, not by your bumper sticker on your car or what you say you are. It's by the love that you show. That's our best witnessing tool is the love that you show for other people. So what does this love look like? We can't talk about love without going to Corinthians chapter 13, right? Because we think eh, we got this, right? Okay. First Corinthians chapter 13. It says, if I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but have not love, the Amplifies defines it so good. It says, if I, but have not love for others growing out of God's love for me, then I've become only a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal, just an annoying distraction. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I speak a new message from God to the people, and I understand all mysteries and have all knowledge. If I have all sufficient faith so I can remove mountains, but if I don't have love reaching out to others, I'm nothing. If I give all my possessions, 90% of my income to feed the poor, such a great philanthropist, just give, 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 give money away. If I surrender my body to be burned, but if I don't have love, it does me no good at all. Love endures with patience and serenity. Well, I already know right there, if this is one of the fruit of love, I I need to love more. I need to choose to love more. If love endures with patience and serenity, then it says love is kind. Even to the people who live with you. Because sometimes we're like, oh, I'm kind at church, but rude to your kids, rude to your husband. Rude to your parents. Listen, that's not love. Love is kind to everyone. Because your mom's your neighbor. Your dad's your neighbor. Your your father's your neighbor. Your spouse is your neighbor. Is this as painful for you as it is for me? Yeah. Okay. But listen, I want to turn the light on because I'm tired of stepping on those darn dog bones, right? Or trying to fill my way through the room to get somewhere. I'm tired of letting those things that are dangerous, ready to pounce me because I don't have the light on in my life. So if this is how I turn the light on, I'm in. This is how, if this is how I turn the light on, I am in. So it says, it's kind, it's thoughtful, not jealous, not envious, doesn't brag, not proud, not arrogant. It's not rude. Why did I put that in there? It's not self-seeking. It's not provoked or overly sensitive, easily angered. Some of us are just waiting for someone to say something. Right? Yeah, you've had those days, right? You're just waiting. Just tell me. Go ahead. Just tell me how my hair looks today. You just tell me. You just tell me. You just come home. Honey, you just ask me what I did today because I'm locked and I'm loaded to tell you. Right? We're easily, we're ready, man. Please say something so I can hit you. It doesn't take into account a wrong endured. Doesn't rejoice at injustice. Doesn't rejoice at injustice anywhere. It doesn't rejoice in injustice anywhere, even with the people you don't particularly like. It rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. 
Love bears all things regardless of what comes. It believes all things, looking for the best in each one. Instead of trying to find fault with the people around you and your neighbors, let's start finding good in them. Instead of always picking on the bad stuff, the things your husband don't do, start talking about the good things he does do. Talking all the negative things she doesn't do, start talking about the things she does do. Says hopes all things, remains steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening. Love never fails. Let's all say that together. Say love never fails. Now listen, we are no longer going to walk as haters. And in the form of the word, we got to own where we are in order to change. I have been one who loves less and been walking in the dark. But that changes because the word of God has shown light. So now I know that if I operate and choose to love my neighbor, every single person that's around me, the light turns on in my life and I no longer experience the painful things that I used to experience by living in the dark. My grandson, he's in Taekwondo and, um, I love taking him because I love watching him do what he does because he's my grandson. So anything he does is awesome. But he goes to Taekwondo and he's now a yellow belt. So he's been going for a little while and he's perfecting some skills. Well, now he now can wear um, the actual fight gear. So he has pads and on his arms and now he can actually hit, kick and punch people like each other that are protected. And so it's so fun to watch. But when he gets in that class, the instructor, sometimes it's a male and sometimes it's a female, but the instructor will say, I want you to get in your Olympic ready stance. Now that means something. I want you to get in your Olympic ready stance. So they all get in their stance and they're bouncing up and down like this. And then they start saying, are you, are you bouncing? They say, yes, ma'am. Are you sideways? Yes, ma'am. Are your fists closed? Yes, ma'am. Is your arm stri- front arm straight? Yes, ma'am. Are your eyes straight? Yes, ma'am. And when I'm watching them, I notice as she's calling out these things that they're making little adjustments. Because sometimes they're like standing like this and they're like, are you bouncing? And they go, yes, ma'am. Are you sideways? Yes, ma'am. Are your fists cl- closed? Yes, ma'am. And they're making an adjustments as she's calling them out. This is my challenge for us this week with this whole love thing. When it comes to love, I want you to take out this first Corinthians where it says love is patient. Love is kind. Love is. And I want us every day to get in the love stance because what are we doing? We're turning on the light, keeping our light, keeping our life illuminated. I want you to turn on the love stance. So you're going to look at yourself and you're going to say, are you being kind? Yes, ma'am. Are you being, uh, uh, hold on. Are you not being rude? Yes, ma'am. Are you not being self-seeking? Yes, ma'am. Are you being patient? Yes, ma'am. Are you believing all things? Yes, ma'am. Are you rejoicing in the truth? Yes, ma'am. And if you're not, make the adjustment. Are you being rude? Are you, are you not being rude? Yes, ma'am. Although you know you were just rude three minutes ago, make the adjustment. 
Yes, ma'am. I'm not being rude. I'm not being rude. Let's get in our love stance. And let's watch God do something powerful by illuminating things in our life. Keeping away the dangerous things, the painful things, relationships better. I believe that your life will be better. My life will be better. Yes, ma'am. You might have to look at yourself in the mirror. Guys, say yes, sir. When you look at yourself in the mirror, are you being kind? Yes, sir. Maybe you're in a situation with your spouse and you're getting ready to say something that you shouldn't. Let it come out of your heart and your, in your mind that God would bring it to your remembrance. Are you being kind? Yes, sir. And if you weren't, change it. Are you bragging? Are you being prideful? No, ma'am. And change it. I believe as you do that, man, you're going to see God do some great, great things in your life. Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes? We close this morning. If there's anybody in this place, maybe you have not received Christ in the first place. You don't have love living on the inside of you. You've just been living your life, doing things your own way. I'm going to give you an opportunity at all of our campuses to receive the greatest gift ever. God's greatest gift of love, Jesus Christ. Man, when he moves into your life, the spirit of God moves into your life. You experience a love and an acceptance and a freedom like never before. Then it empowers you to love like God loves. Maybe you've served God at one time, received him at one time, been serving him, living in you strong at one time. But for whatever reason, you've grown distracted and you've rejected and walked away, just kind of got cold and become loveless when it comes to God. God is not mad at you. God loves you so much. His arms are open to you. In fact, you're probably experiencing, man, just him, his love even right now where you're sitting. Like, God, I just know that you love me. I want to give you an opportunity to surrender, fully surrender your heart to him this morning. We're all going to pray this prayer together. And if that's you, I just want you to believe in your heart. Man, this is me today. I'm receiving Christ today. I'm not going to walk from God anymore. I'm not going to run from God anymore. I'm not going to try to figure out life on my own anymore. I'm tired of walking around in the dark. I'm trying to, tired of experiencing painful things without any help. I need God in my life. This morning, we're giving you that opportunity to do that. And if that's you this morning, I want us all to pray together. I just all want us all to pray together. And maybe, maybe you've received Christ in the past and maybe you're serving God wholeheartedly and 100% today. But even if you're doing that, we're just going to make a fresh commitment to God. I do this all the time. I do this all the time. God, I'm yours today. I fully surrender today. Not my will, but your will. How do you want me to handle this situation? God, not my will, but your will. What am I saying? God, I'm surrendering to you. God, your way. Let's all pray this together at all of our campuses. If you're receiving Christ for this first time or giving your life back to him, just mean it from your heart. Let's all say this. Father God, thank you for loving me so much in my faraway state you gave Jesus to me today I call on him Jesus I receive you into my life I fully surrender my life to you love live big in me Father I thank you for every person that received you this morning God I believe that this is a new life for them God, that they're feeling the love of God in their heart. And God, every day, as they seek to do things your way, 
they in turn show their love for you. God, I believe that you've called us as a people. God, for everybody else in this room, you've called us as a people to love like you love. God, I believe that you're giving us the ability to do so. God, that we don't love less, but that we truly love like you love. God, that we're always in that love stance. God, if there's something that we need to adjust, God, we adjust it. We choose to love. And God, we choose to love with that corresponding action. God, thank you for the light that's turned on today in our life. The light we continue to keep on. God, that painful things are revealed because the light's on. Dangerous things are averted because the light's on. God, we're not wandering aimlessly, slowly, not going forward at all because the light is on. God, we continue to walk in the light, in the light of love. And we give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.